Hello and welcome to Planting the Seed, a short series of behind the scenes and extra content episodes to accompany our critically acclaimed audio drama Seeds, which was inspired by the amazing true story of the world's first seed bank. My name is Johanna Taylor, the executive director and producer of No Stone Theatre, who made the series, and today I'll be in conversation with the creative team behind the show. I'll let everyone introduce themselves as you listen to an open conversation we had recently, which takes in the history of the project from its theatre origin to turning it into a podcast. We'll get some insights into the material and the team's uh, creative process. Um, we're editing anyway, so I'm going to just start from I'm joined with. Go for it. Um, mm-hmm. My name's Johanna Taylor, I'm the executive director of No Stone Theatre and the producer of Seeds. Um, I'm here with Nick Pitt, Nick Walker and John Owen. Um, Nick Pitt, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Nick, the Nick Pitt and I'm the director, uh, artist director of No Stone Theatre and the director of Seeds, uh, which is obviously now a podcast which started life as a play. I'm Nick Walker, I'm a writer, and I was looking after the text for Seeds. I'm John Owen, and I'm a composer, sound designer, occasionally, uh, and so that's what I was doing here for (laughs) Seeds. Sorry, that was terrible. (laughs) No, that was perfect. Um, Awesome. So let's just jump straight in with the questions. Um, Nick Pitt, the first question is for you. Um, where did you first find out about Vavilov um, and his story? A friend of mine had heard this sort of brief summary of sort of, uh, I think it was on the radio, this incredible story of this geneticist, this man called Vavilov, and the incredible idea that he created the world's first seed bank. And I just started to look into it and I sort of researched it more and quickly became sort of really just obsessed and fascinated with just the just the the extreme uh poetry of 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 what happened and the idea of starving in a room full of food to preserve the future of humanity in some way which is just so sort of like mad and um and poetic and also sort of incredibly sort of theatrical in the way that it's it's a very sort of dynamic theater space this like what what we sometimes call in theatre sort of dramaturgy terms it'd be like a closed time closed space story so it was the duration of the siege uh in terms of the time it took to happen and they were all essentially locked in a series of rooms in this big institute in the center of the city um but what obviously what they were doing in that room was interacting with and preserving and organizing and worrying and thinking about every something so simple and small as a wheat seed which obviously we know goes on to become bread which goes on to feed sort of everyone all over the world in some way so it felt like it just had this amazing amazing sort of intersection of resonances across like the objects the story the time um and then then the sort of you know obviously as a i guess as a practitioner as a sort of maker i'm, I'm always i think you know, i think it's important in my work to, to sort of find the contemporary lens of the contemporary relevance for these historical stories and you know tragically at the moment where we are sort of reaping um reaping what we've sown in terms of the degradation of uh the environment and the natural world and biodiversity species loss and its intersection with climate change and our nutrition as a species is all has incredibly sort of like come to the fore in the last few years and i think early on i came across a stat which i think sort of sums up again some of the sort of like deep poetry of this which is that uh 
I think there's a billion people in the world, oh, it's 100 million people, probably more right now, actually, because of the, the current pandemic. But um, hundreds of millions of people are malnourished or starving, cannot access enough food to survive. But a billion people in the world are, are, are technically obese. So we still live in a world where the idea of like being able to find enough food and be able to do the most basic facet of survival, which is to feed yourself, um, is either too easy and we spend all the money we have on becoming uh, eating too much or impossible and those people in that room in St Petersburg in Leningrad um, sort of I guess some of the things that they did were a warning about how we needed to um, how we needed to respect the natural world more respect the different species of plant and animal and uh, do our do our best to try and um, well I guess their mission was to try and end world famine and sadly we haven't been able to do that and now it looks like we might be even harder to do that so that's a very long answer to your question but that is <laughs> that is where i found the story <laughs> amazing thank you um awesome and of course you um you took you brought that idea to me when we were talking about set, starting up our first um project as we did so. yes um yeah and we what was that over coffee in, in pret in central london um and that was <laughs> i remember you telling me about it and i remember being really interested and slightly confused to begin with because I don't think I knew what a seed bank was and I didn't really have any contextual information but even without any of that basic knowledge the story still sort of sang to me so we kind of started work together to um to kind of bring the story to to life a bit didn't we so I'd like to ask you to tell us a bit about the values behind the creative process for the podcast sure um obviously i know that that will tie in a lot as well with the original r&ds for the theater show um but how you encouraged the team to work together um and yeah and just your general thoughts around that yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, well, as you say, yeah, it it it, it was it was a project which I, I always I guess by its very nature because of the sort of you know sort of vastness of the story and the sort of you know like the opportunity to tell such an amazing little known story, you know, meant that I think it needed to be matched with ambition. So obviously, as a sort of uh, as a vehicle for to sort of explore it, me and you founded the company No Stone and very quickly started to think about um, you know how we could go from essentially just an, an idea and these bits of research to, to to something which was the beginnings of a journey into something which would be a, a initially a, a piece of hopefully really compelling live performance. So um, so I guess in theatre world again like we do uh, a lot of research and development or R&D so most of the time a new play whether it's uh, like a really sort of text-led process or whether it's something more devised or uh, physical starts life in an R&D uh, and so that was what obviously we sort of we wanted to do that but I was very keen to do that in our sort of own way and I'll sort of find our own particular process just as a company but also as as for this particular show um so I, but I've worked with the, the two people I've joined with here we were joined with today uh on other on, on several other projects and Nick and John and uh knew straight away that they were the, the two people I wanted to to be sort of marshalling the sound and the text uh for this project and and we also at that stage worked with a designer and the movement director as well so with Lulu Wang and Dan Canham in the first phase and that was because I didn't just want this to be because in many ways we could tell the story of Avilov and the Institute um, in a sort of more typical dramaturgical play you know basically we could write a sort of bio biopic I, I guess if you like uh, because we had the information to do that and we could probably 
you know tell tell a relatively uh, a relatively uh, familiar story uh, in the way in in the sense and the way it was told. So tell it in a familiar way, and I'm sure it would be would have been great. Um, but what I thought was crucial is actually because it sort of goes deeper than that and because we have this contemporary connection by the fact that every one of us goes to the supermarket and engages with, you know, these sort of the produce and food production and uh, and sort of is, yeah, and all of us as humans have to eat uh, all the way through to the sort of vastness of the story and to the sort of impact on climate change. I felt like it, 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 it was bigger than just a sort of one person's opinion through some text. So I wanted the text not to lead the process and instead I wanted the, the very, very keenly wanted to sort of open it up initially to sort of the sort of initial responses of other disciplines. So of music and sound, of movement and of visual design uh, and I guess, you know, and, and, as, and performance. So we worked very collaboratively as a creative team with a great group of um, sort of devising collaborative actors, some of which who are still uh, in the show now, who still play some of the characters that you've heard by listening. Um, and I guess you just sort of having to be very open to not knowing exactly where you're headed at that stage. Um, and to do that, we wanted to basically find the right form. So when we say form, it's, it's you know, like what shape and sort of like mechanism you use to tell the story. Uh, so, you know, would it be, you know, at, at that stage, it could have maybe ended up as a really vivid, um, you know, sort of tight, uh chekovian like drama with like you know big characters with big backstories but at the same time maybe it was going to end up as something purely physical and it would just be all movement you know and we wanted to find out through exploring it together and basically allowing each other's responses to lead our responses what that best form was and that was i guess what we did i'm, I'm sure it'd be, maybe it's interesting to to see what what how nick and john found that experience when we were sort of working theatrically and I guess hopefully how we carried that through to uh to the podcast as well thanks Nick I think for now I'd be really interested to know first what Nick and John your sort of initial thoughts were when you were approached um by Nick with this idea well I have had the great fortune of working with Nick on a few previous devised kind of collaborative theatre project so when he approached me with this I, I suppose there was there was a uh, some <laughs> hopefully some degree of creative trust there that, that was that was already extant but one of the things about this particular project was that it, for me personally it combines two really massive interests of mine one of which is well I mean it's I suppose just Russia generally but I mean in particular this is obviously Soviet Russia but um some of the music that was being made during the time frame that uh, we were, that uh, Nick was talking about, well, for the, for the idea for the piece, um, in particular, really interests me. And um, as it happened, just around that time, I had had again the fortune of being able to work on a couple of sort of musical uh, documentaries about um, sort of avant-garde music made at the time um, in Soviet Russia, sort of during the war. The, the very first synthesizers and and um so in my head there was already this um uh this sort of sound world but i have to say i didn't know anything about um biodiversity um and i'm still 
learning uh right now <laughs> um but uh yeah yeah for me there was there was a lot of things that that came together so yeah obviously yeah this general interest in in soviet russia and then and and the music of the time and um well i i'll jump in just to say it. hilariously i mean I, I i had no idea that john had just made a documentary for the world service um about about <laughs> russian experimental music written at the exact time that we were looking looking at staging in some way so that was a delightful surprise but um john always also i mean i was i was happy to work with john on this because i knew that his sort of like uh, I didn't realise I had such a Russian expert as well as a brilliant composer, <laughs> which which meant that also during recording, it's meant that John has been able to tell us how Russian words are pronounced, even though I'm afraid there probably will still be some erroneous mispronounced words in there. But actually having a Russian speaker as well has been incredibly useful, but not not initially intended. <laughs> Just this irritating voice, pedantic voice in the corner. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I, I think. I think I've sort of said said my piece. So hand over to Nick W. Sure. <laughs> Go on, Nick. Do you want to give us your give us your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I mean, I'd. I'd um, I think I'd. I'd met you both in you know a different incarnation at the one theatre we'd we'd worked at but I think I had to sort of come across Seabant before uh, another project that I'd been involved with was looking at sort of seed banks in Norway but I had no idea of the origin of it so it was a really sort of rich addition to um, why it was that people um, you know all over the world were kind of creating these seed banks and, and taking such care and attention over trying to preserve as many samples as possible. And I sort of felt that it was a bit of a neat, a kind of a niche interest. You know, it's like there was, so, it was something that seemed like a sort of like a kind of collector thing. I thought it was in that world. And But having been exposed to sort of, you know, the start of it and realising you know, this creeping realisation of what exactly was at stake with all this stuff, you know, became just suddenly in a project which was just growing in its sort of urgency and profundity. And, and actually, at a certain point, it became a kind of, you know, sort of like an irresistible project, really. And that was also speaking to the opportunity that it felt that we were offered by how we could tell it because of the things that you know, Nick's already mentioned, which was that um, that the origins of it happened under these other extreme circumstances where we have this siege during the Second World War and, uh, and, and the things that they were trying to do at the time were just so incredibly heightened by the the uh, the second the, the pressures on Leningrad at the time, um, and then also trying to sort of fight for the hierarchy of this seed bank in amongst all the other very urgent <laughs> uh, priorities <laughs> that the city was uh, undergoing at the time, and it felt like that particular moment was was really similar to the to the ones that we were we, we were experiencing now. Is that how, how do you how do you fight for this kind of stuff when uh, yeah people have so many other things to think about and preoccupy themselves with? So yeah, it it, it felt. It felt intuitively that what Nick, what Nick and Johanna were bringing to the table, for me anyway, was a kind of particular moment in history about a, an enormous thing. And so that, that, was fast, that was absolutely fascinating. And then it became a process of, 
well, how, how do we capture a form uh, to, to tell this story and, and what on earth do we get people to say? You know, and uh, you know, and, it, and and obviously this podcast form has a, uh, you know, it, we can be very intimate about that. But um, the the process for finding the words for this sort of enormous issue, and finding the characters and calibrating all that, and then trying to sort of make sure that it linked to the the contemporary world we live in has been has been the process forced on us by COVID of moving from the theatrical to the podcast world and, and, and it's led to, to where we are now. How did you find this shift to digital and to working remotely as well when obviously so much of what you do is so embedded in human interaction and physically being in a physical space together how did you find that shift yeah yeah I guess well I think you know it's interesting isn't it I think we've all everyone has been we've all had to adapt so much and so I think you know I I think firstly it's an amazing privilege and sort of opportunity to to sort of be able to have a project to to adapt and to work on so um so first I think we're just very grateful for that because I think in this of you know initial you know lockdown months you know it, it was great to have um have 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 a focus um have a focus to do something um i think it's also worth saying that uh they um you know like i think you know we're we're obviously you know the the reason we the reason we decided to adapt our the show that was you know almost uh we had over an hour of of stage material by the time that we the lockdown happened uh you know having done two sort of quite quite meaty uh r&ds and you know have actually sort of got you know pretty much an hour consistent hour of consistent performance um uh you know it 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 it, it felt like you know it would be a real because of the sort of future being so uncertain with live performance it felt like it was really important that this work that was so much more relevant thematically and sort of like you know it just it had such a connection to some of the experiences we were suddenly hurtling into as 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 you know as people um that it needed to sort of not just sort of wait quietly and you know to, to, to hoping that maybe one day we could get back to it um but then obviously at the same time i think it's important to say that the decision to turn it into a, an audio drama and a podcast and sort of make it episodic was all felt really right for this story and right for this project and i'm sure maybe the other guys have have some opinions on that so so initially i think that the transition to sort of turn it into something like this digitally firstly felt really it felt like it was the right thing to do and actually you know uh, despite the slight awkwardness of not being able to sort of meet up in a room and you know write on a a whiteboard or or, you know on big pieces of paper and sort of talk as we normally would we were able to achieve that quite you know as we all know right as we all know from this is how we sort of socialize now in many ways and how we all collaborate and how we do so many things that like we're doing now we're speaking over the internet to each other um so quickly that became you know and because we i think we all care about the project so much and we all cared about the story and we all had made these crucial discoveries from the, the development process already so we already knew the the characters we already knew the sounds we, we knew the sort of like language and we knew we had this really interesting challenge about the form which we had for theatre but we needed to somehow distill it further and to maintain the form that we found but find but put it in put it into the new medium of just audio 
which which straight away i think for, as makers that's a great challenge so that was really exciting um and so so i think you know from the collaborative you know uh writing process and sort of you know working out how we would tell the story and how we do the episodes that felt very um in a way that felt quite um that didn't feel too different but then actually i think it actually ended up being because it became a very intense writing and editing process between myself and nick and in many ways i think if we'd been in a situation which is more traditional where we might have had maybe been doing that in the in and around rehearsals or in and around the room i don't think we would have quite been afforded the same focus and sort of intensity uh because we really were able to i think i don't know how many times we we rewrote the whole thing nick but it was quite a lot um and that was in that was a sort of gift and and i guess because we were sort of in our own time frame you know because working digitally there isn't the same schedules and pressures that you might have when you're working with live performance you know opening night is opening night and you know that's not going to shift so we actually were able to be a little bit flexible with that process and and then so what we're able to do is actually you know work up episodes and then, then I would I would record them on my own the whole thing I play every part and send that to John and John was then able to sort of make essentially demos if you like you know and actually sort of start mapping out whole episodes you know with, with with all the sound and the music as well and then we would listen to that and then we would respond to that and Nick would respond to that and we'd piece basically pieced it together and that was a really live process and it was really rewarding and really brilliant to be part of um it just i think again i think it's it, it just it, it, the, the 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 sort of what it felt like to do it was i think like i guess everybody listening up we all know it's just that slightly weird intense thing of that we're all just sat in our rooms we're all, our brains are in these amazing places uh working on this material or you know very detailed work that we we're doing and then we close the computer or put down the phone and then we'd just be in our kitchen, you know, ready to make dinner. And that's, that's obviously strange because, you know, we'd normally have that really wonderful opportunity to maybe go for a, a drink afterwards, or there might be, you know, there might be the commute or the journey somewhere, which would also sort of disrupt the day. So I guess that was, that was different. And then um, I'll just say briefly, I mean, in terms of then recording the actors, which was obviously the sort of big, the biggest difference, I suppose, as a director, because normally that would be, that's the sort of bit bit of the job you sort of tend to be most relish the most, because it's the bit you probably, why you're, why people become directors is to direct actors and rehearse with them. And ironically, and this is a, this is particularly aimed at any aspiring young directors out there. The sad thing is that you'll probably end up doing that the least <laughs> in terms of your weeks in the year. You'll probably spend the shortest amount of time will actually be with actors. Um, so obviously not to be with them in a room and not to be able to do some of the more, you know, full physical stuff with them is, is difficult. But then again, you know, we were just, we just able to communicate over the internet. We all heard each other clearly. And there were times when I felt that I was the only person not with them. Um, because of how sort of detailed and sort of focused the work became, uh, which was great and a privilege, you know, in many ways. But um, but yeah, I guess you know, it, 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 not having that natural um, physical communication with someone, you know, it's just like anything. Again, like we all can relate to this. You know, having a meeting on Zoom is great, but you, you don't quite have that immediate communication with how someone's thinking or feeling. And so when you're working with someone on their performance you have to sometimes i guess i guess i didn't always feel so um 
I didn't always feel very. Uh, uh, I didn't. I, I guess I sometimes didn't feel as close to them as I'd want to, and, and reactive. But then again, you know, the, the actors who we work with, like you know, everyone. You know, when we work with Nina, Nina Sasonia on her own, um, that was basically just me and Nina in our two respective bedrooms for two days, working on the all the bits of the patient narrator figure. So actually we'd found our own sort of language that meant that I think we were able to get an incredible amount done incredibly quickly and incredibly focused way and then working on the institute scenes with the four actors of Katie Jordan Graham and Kirsty um again you know amazingly like you just you just sort of like these that natural sort of rhythm that came out in its own way and you know by the end there were rehearsal in jokes there was you know there was sort of there was that that back and forth and that you know that sort of playfulness which is what you want really and uh and if anything it was maybe even more focused than normal because they weren't able to um have little private conversations <laughs> and stuff like that but you know, ultimately i can't wait to be back in a rehearsal room but at the same time um it's a real privilege to be able to still tell the story like this awesome thank you um and i think for for nick walker and john um i think conveniently both of you two are already quite um, experienced when it comes to working for radio and podcasts and that sort of digital um, sphere. Um, but how? But obviously, for everybody, it was new working virtually um, and remotely. Um, so, for you guys, do you have any particular thoughts or learnings or takeaways or comments? That you kind of have from the process in that aspect, or or just general ones, actually. Um, Nick, do you want to to start? Well, I think we just had to adjust to two different, you know, kind of not radically different, but certainly distinctly different forms. And some of the things that we made in the theatre context, um, which was you know alive to an audience that was physically there in front of you. Uh, it was it was really about how, how do we what what is the equivalent of that in this new form that we now will be making the work, um, and so a lot of thought and discussion went into what is the story now in this new form, um, how do we tell it, and what new opportunities do we have for engaging with a listener that is in a different, equally intimate possibly you know sort of intimate intimate sort of relationship with it but also in a one in 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 a relationship that we have no control over so working out how to tell the story in this new form was a sort of really crucial early part of uh, of the development of this project from tr sort of transferring it from the theater to the audio drama world and once we found our mechanism, once we'd, once we'd sort of set up our world properly, um, then, yeah, there, there, there was a, a, re a really sort of f flowing moment where we then retold our story in this new world. We'd created a new character for it, which Nick mentioned sort of, you know, N Nina anchors as the, as the patient in this story. Uh, there, was a, there was a theatrical version of that character, but it was a bit unformed. And actually, if we'd have been able to carry on with the theatre process, we might have uh, developed that in similar ways who knows who knows what the kind of lost mm. ghost version of the real <laughs> theater version of this was because we were only really kind of you know three quarters of the way two thirds of the way through it mm. um, and then this happened and so we reinvented at a point when the theater process hadn't actually finished so um, it when we go back to theater it'd be interesting to see how the podcast informs that process but either way 
um, it became a much bigger, I think uh, the larger scope, you know, being remotely and, and, and being able to sort of record as it were, the performance over a shorter period of time than maybe a theatre one means that the the actual content of it is probably doubled in size. So, you know, the story we're telling is now over, you know, probably probably over two hours, whereas it might have been one hour in a theatre context, which means that the material is greater. Actually, the, perhaps the depth of it, 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 you know, we can tell different sorts of things. The form that we've got now is... Um, yeah, is is a sort of two hour story. So we're telling slight, we, we're telling different kinds of stories in a different way, which it which has been about us uh, understanding how the original impetus uh, fits with the with the form in which we are now telling it. Um, and actually, I think we've all become really excited by this episodic way of telling it. We've we've really engaged with um, you know the the digital mechanism in this new world of how we might tell this story. I love this digital tour idea, but it's a very different form. Um, we, we've got sort of seven hooks <laughs> in this story <laughs> uh, where we might have had different kind of rhythms in the theatre piece. Um, and so I think for all of us, it, be, it became um, a, an initial what's the audio version of this play into a really deep consideration of uh, of what a different form does to how you tell a story. And I think we, you know, e even though we've had loads of different experiences that we've brought to this, I think we've, we feel that we've had to relearn all of our... Uh, storytelling assumptions and mechanisms and so that we could try and make something that was you know sort of really fresh and vibrant in the ear and was something that was true to the in initial impetus of this immense idea um, and, and and that's that that's been that's been the deep thing for me about it in that it's ballooned completely and what seemed like initially an initial transfer from a, a theatre process to an audio one suddenly became just kind of a massive reinvention of the project. Yeah, Abs yeah, yeah, completely. I just, yeah, sorry, I disagree, but um, that's probably not useful for you, Joe, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're editing it's that. It's good to make it feel out. like a discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't, yeah. Um, awesome. It was such a privilege communicating this story to thousands of people all over the world and joining the podcast and audio drama community. You can listen to every episode of Seeds on our website, nostonetheatre.com, or on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast app. Help us reach even more listeners by subscribing, sharing with your friends and family, and following us on social media, at nostonetheatre. You can also join our mailing list to be the first to receive exclusive content like this interview, as well as announcements and updates on upcoming projects. Seeds is a No Stone Theatre production and was made possible with funding from Arts Council England.